Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. For all the movie fans out there, the Big Picture Podcast now has its own dedicated Twitter feed, at the Big Pick. Not only will you find the best in Ringer film analysis and the news you need for award season, it's also the exclusive source for all the movie and video-related content you need, from A Star Is Born mashups to Sean Fennessy tweeting out gifts. So make sure you follow at the Big Pick on Twitter. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Thursday, December twentieth, and I am joined on the line by the great Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? Tate Frazier, I'm doing good, although I don't haven't done any Christmas shopping yet, but I'm doing really good, man. You know, I just saw Charlie Brown put it out. We got five days till Christmas. It just kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Like, it's like, it just happens too quick. I, I don't understand it, you know? But there's nothing better, Tate Frazier. There's really nothing better than going somewhere and listening to Christmas music as you shop and buy gifts for everybody. You know, I only got to buy Millie a gift, so that really doesn't matter. And, then, you know, of course... Everything else is taken care of. I got it easy. I got it easy. All I got to do is buy one, and then that's it. I'm pretty good. But. That's pretty good. That sounds like you're all set. I mean, it, the only time that it's not as good uh, when you're going to see uh, people go shopping for Christmas is if you're Clark Griswold and you're stuck up in the attic and your father-in-law needs to go and uh, take his back pill, so he's got to go ahead and get to the mall so you get trapped up there all day. But sometimes it leads to you watching some of the greatest uh, moments from your history in the past, uh, in your past Christmases. So that's what I did last night. I watched, uh, you know, of course, Christmas Vacation, so that's all always fun to do and i got a lot of shopping uh to get to as well but before we get to all of our christmas shopping and all of what, our- what is your favorite christmas movie i mean like seriously like i i like i love home alone like i love gus and the tamahuchi tamahuchi dancers or whatever the hell they're called i mean i could watch that movie ten thousand times uh you know yeah it's like the greatest uh, like marvin harry i laugh at the jokes all the time i wrote a column today on the athletic and basically i took Kevin's line about it's the season of perpetual hope and I gave hope to 32 teams and I broke down all 32 teams about what I think they need to do so you know to me the movies the movie I could watch it constantly yeah I love Home Alone I would say Christmas Vacation is definitely uh the favorite Christmas movie we watch it every single year and Cousin Eddie is uh is a star to you know beyond belief around my house so you can only imagine the amount of times you hear you serious Clark or save the neck for me Clark or you know, some random mention about the uh, carnival instead of college. There's a million, million different quotes that come out of that movie for us. So, uh, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation. That is, the, those are the GM Street uh, recommended movies uh, for your Christmas time. And if you haven't seen them, go check them out. We got to get to some football stuff, Lombardi, because uh, as I mentioned before, it is Thursday, December twentieth, and the beautiful, beautiful thing about that is we do not have Thursday night football, so we get a chance to get ahead of some of these games and uh, get ahead of uh, the Friday forecast, which I like what you called it earlier. We used to call them the, you know, the five game to watch this week and I like the Friday forecast with the five games to look out for before we get to those five games that we have picked this week we first we need to talk about some news uh, that came out out of the Patriots camp Josh Gordon a receiver you know that has been uh, much maligned over the years whether it be in Cleveland and obviously there were some exciting times as he got to New England he tweeted out that he is stepping away to focus on mental health um, a source says that he is uh, facing possible suspension from the league but uh, he tweeted out I take my mental health very seriously at this point and to ensure I'm re- I remain able to perform at the highest level I recently felt like I could have a better grasp on things mentally. With that said, I will be stepping away from the football field for a bit to focus on my mental health. Uh, first stop, uh, you know, a lot of people were coming out and, you know, you know, trying to, you know, congratulate the fact that, you know, Josh Gordon is acknowledging these things. But from a football standpoint in the Patriots organization, Lombardi, what, what is the first takeaway from this uh, Gordon situation? 
You, you know, Tay Fraser, you know, I wrote about this back when they traded for him in September, and, and I reposted the column today, not because I want to say, hey, look, I was right. I think you have to understand the demons that live in Josh Gordon, and I think this is not just a case that he can just turn it around. This is a daily ongoing struggle that he faces in his life, and the addictions that he holds are just hard for him, and, and you know, we all want it to be able to put on the back burner and want want it so much and sometimes you just can't control those things and as good and, and even in a safe environment like New England where he's constantly under an attention and not left on his own you know it's still a difficult process so I feel badly for him as a human being I think this has been something that I recognized back in 2013 was was really a difficult challenge for him because this is just not something that's happened you know in the last four years of his life. This has been part of his life and it's in his, it's in his makeup and it's very difficult. So I wish him the best. I mean, this is hard news as for a football standpoint. I mean, Josh wasn't the same player that he was in 2013. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Was he a good player? Yeah, I think he was. I think it took him some time to get into shape. And I think he, you know, the thing that I was really impressed by was the fact that Brady, who was very, non-trustworthy really developed a rapport and trust with this kid and you know went with them and and threw him the football when most most receivers that have gone up there knew you know typically didn't get the ball and Brady really bought into him and I think it's a tribute to the kind of kid that that he is away from his addiction issues and and how much talent Brady saw with them but as the year went on it became harder for him I think the separation became harder for him uh, you see in the last few weeks, he started to drop the football a little bit. It wasn't the same hands that he has because he's got really good hands. So, you know, from a football standpoint, I think Cordella Patterson's going to have to fill in. They're going to have to play Philip Dorsett on the outside. But these Patriot issues are are, are going to be there. I think they're going to have to play the same way whether Gordon was there or not. They're going to have to run the ball in a way to where they're almost like their 2013 team, take their chances down the field with Hogan, with Edelman, with Dorsett, with Patterson and try to get this offense moving. And I think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's not going to be a one-man show where, you know, they have this deep threat and they have this uh, supremely talented guy like Gordon like they've had before. Uh, you mentioned the suspensions. He's had four suspensions uh, in his career, in his NFL career, 2013, uh, a couple in 2014, and then, of course, the 2015 suspension that ended up being about 20 games. It was an indefinite suspension, ended up being about 20 games. Uh, ESPN's Dan Graziano was the one reporting this. Um, he said the final punishment has, has yet to be decided, but the expectation from those around the league that are uh, informed on the issue expect Gordon will not play again this season. Um, and that is, uh, like you said, uh, an unfortunate situation. And we hope that uh, there will be some sort of re- resolution in the end, especially, you know, outside of the game of football, but just uh, in Josh Gordon's life. Let's get to the uh, five games that we have this week as we move into week 16. The first game that we have on the docket to discuss Lombardi, we have the Chicago Bears and the San Francisco 49ers. As we look at this game and we talk about uh, everything that goes on with this Bears defense and obviously with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the Bears are favored by four in this game, over under set at 42 and a half at most most places in Vegas. Looking at this one, San Francisco showed some signs late in the season, Lombardi. Uh, is there a chance they can sneak up on the Bears in week 16? I think this is a huge game for the Bears. I think this is a game where the Bears have to go on the road and show that they're a 10-win team, they're a playoff team, that they can dominate, that they can play from in front, they can attack this this San Francisco defense and show that they're the better team and play and play and put pressure on 
on Nick Mullins and create turnovers. I, I I think this is a big game for them. I know they've clinched the North, but I think they got to get better and they got to prove their mental toughness on the road. I think a lot of people, the action has gone in the direction surprisingly in this game a lot of the action has gone in the direction of of San Francisco because I think this they feel like this could be a tough spot on the team but I, I think Chicago's defense can really dominate against San Francisco and I know they play they beat Seattle in overtime last week but I think Chicago's their ability to move in the pocket their ability to create some plays and I think if Trubisky doesn't hurt them I like Chicago to cover. I think Chicago will, will beat them by a touchdown, even though San Francisco has played well at home. They're 0-7 on the road. I think they'll play much better in this game. I think Chicago will play much better than they have been on the road. They're 3-3 three and three on the road. I think this is a big game for Chicago. I think Matt Nagy has got to get his team really ready for the playoffs, and this is a game he can do it in. And it is one of those uh, weird situations where I had a lot of people this week as I were, you know, people were asking me at home about the NFL games this weekend. And they were just, you know, a lot of people kept commenting. I feel like the Bears have played the 49ers a lot recently. And if you think that you are correct, this is five straight years that these two teams have met. This is the first time that they will meet in Santa Clara uh, since 2014. And in that game, the Bears did win. So that is something to keep an eye on there when the Bears travel west. Uh, Next game we have on the docket, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, another team that is very hot. And a lot of people have eyeballs on this weekend. Uh, They're traveling up to Seattle to take on the 12th man. Uh, Chiefs are favored by two and a half in this one. Um, Obviously, Kansas City can clinch home field advantage with a win and a Chargers loss. Uh, Seattle locks up a wild card with a win and uh, the teams behind them taking a loss. So, uh, you know, eyeballs on this game just because of playoff implications. But as you look at this one, Lombardi, what do you see from the Chiefs? Uh, And do you think they can go up to Seattle and get a win on the road? I think it'll be a challenging place. I think they'll they'll definitely have a harder time. I think when you look at the marquee games the Chiefs have played, whether it's been against the Chargers, whether it's been against the Patriots, whether it's been against the Rams, and those venues, they haven't come out on top. I think this is going to be a hard venue. I think Seattle's run game has to control this football. I think Seattle can run the football effectively on Kansas City, and I'm waiting for Russell Wilson to have one of these breakout games. I think it's time for him to show that he can throw the football effectively. And I think at the time to do it is now. They got to have a bitter taste in their mouth losing at home, losing on the road last week to to see San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think this is a critical game for Seattle. Seattle's got to come out and show that home field does mean something in Seattle. And I think they can do that. I think Seattle will put pressure on Kansas City, and I think it'll be a hard game for Kansas City. Do I think they win? Yeah, but I think it's – I mean, I wish the line were three, three and a half, and it would definitely be an easy play for me for Seattle. I think it'll be a field goal game, but I'm going to go with Seattle here. Yeah, you can see that Vegas has a little bit of love for Seattle still, despite the fact that they went on you know, the road against uh, San Francisco, didn't play their best game of football, but people still think at home they are a different team. Uh, the next game that we have up, we have the Houston Texans taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Texans favored by one in this game on the road in Philadelphia. Nick Foles, of course, will continue to start uh, after getting that big win against the Rams on the road. Uh, Houston, as a franchise, has never won a game in Philadelphia. Going back to the Oilers days, I thought you'd find that an interesting fact, uh, Lombardi. Something to keep an eye on there. Um, But as we look at this game, we got Texans, we got Eagles, we got Deshaun Watson traveling up there to Philadelphia. Can Nick Foles keep the magic going or will the Texans come in and get their first win for Houston? I, I think I think that uh, you know this is a hard game for Houston. You know, bad offensive lines don't travel. I've been saying that all year, and this is a bad offensive line. 
And, and I think we saw it last week when Houston played the Jets. They had a hard time blocking the Jets front. I think this Eagle front, even last week without Jernigan, I think Michael Bennett's actually playing better now than he has earlier in the season. I think he's been very good. I think he's been a disruptive force. I think the two tackles of Lamb and Davenport will struggle to protect in this game. I like the Eagles here. I really do. I think the Eagles played well last week. I know I thought they would get killed, but I think this is a bad matchup for Houston. I think Houston can't really run the, won't be able to attack the will be able to attack the Eagles in a way that they need to attack them because I'm not sure they can protect. And I think that's going to be the bigger issue. And Deshaun's going to be running around for his life. Do I think they can move the football on him? Yeah. But I also think that the Eagles can attack the secondary of the Texans. And I think that's the problem. I like the Eagles here a lot. I think it'll be a great game. Yeah. So keep your eyes on Philadelphia because uh, if they do win this game, then I, you know, we cannot uh, stress enough how many people will jump onto the whole wagon of, you know, Nick Foles and this team is back to what they were a year ago with that front four. You mentioned Michael Bennett. Those guys, they kind of are getting into form as we hit stride here in December. And obviously Nick Foles under center and Doug Peterson have quite a rapport. And uh, I was watching last night, actually, Lombardi, uh, watching some of the NFL Network highlights and some of the crazy things to me that really stood out in that Nick Foles game. He wasn't necessarily making the greatest passes in the world, but he was giving Alshon Jeffrey a chance to make plays. And I think Nick Foles is a guy that will do that. And if they can, you know, get, you know, if they can put up 30 points in a game, that really helps their defense a lot obviously so uh that is something to keep an eye on with that eagles offense and playing from in front we talked about it all the time on gm street we know the eagles have to play from in front that's that's critical and i think that they've got to start the drive off and look we know we know that nick Foles is comfortable in uh in the chip kelly offense i mean we know that that's what he's had the most success in that's what he was good for the eagles before Doug Peterson got there. And if, when they run that, they become a problem. And I think it's going to be a problem for the Texans. Yep. And that's something we'll keep an eye on as uh, we watch that game. The next game that we have here on the docket, the fourth game of the week to keep an eye on. Uh, two teams that lead their lead their divisions uh, on opposite sides, AFC, NFC. Something interesting to see in Week 16. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling down to New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints favored by five and a half in this game. Um, this is such a, you know, this is a wild game. We're waiting for Big Ben to, uh, Big ben to get cleared for this one. But once he does, uh, this will be a real shootout. A lot of people think this could be a potential Super Bowl matchup, so it's interesting to get that in Week 16. Um, do you have a you know have a belief in the Steelers being able to travel down and maybe shock and you know uh, get the Saints to play left-handed or to play play totally differently than they did on Monday night, which was not too great against the Panthers, despite being able to get a you know a close win there. Yeah, I think that the Steelers will play good on the road. I think the Steelers will have had that bad road game or have had the bad two road games. I think they'll be able to to keep this game close. I think the Saints will win. I think the line's a little too heavy here. I think that's where uh, I, I favor the Steelers. I'm not sure the Steelers can win this game outright, but I think the Steelers will keep it within a field goal. Uh, hopefully their field goal kicker will make the field goal because he has struggled <laughs> in recent weeks. Got Boswell. But I do think it'll be a close game. I think this is going to be a hard-fought game because both teams need to win it. The Steelers are obviously a desperate team. The Saints just want to win one more game. But, you know, with the Saints knowing that next week your boy Tyler Honekin, you know, with the green label and the red star, ain't going to be is playing and not Cam Newton. I mean, I think that looks to them like, okay, we'll get home field if we just win that game. So I I love the Saints, the way they've played, the way they've won left-handed. Winning on the road without their best day game, I think that Drew Brees will play better, but I just think Roethlisberger will move the football on them, and I think the the Steelers match up really good against the Saints today. 
Yeah, and it's something to keep keep an eye on there too, because uh, like you said, New Orleans knows that you know ODU's finest is going to come in there, um, and you know is a young guy, and they don't have to go against Cam Newton, so it's a way that they could maybe sneak in a Week 17 win without uh, much hoopla around them. And as they move into uh, trying to con- you know contain and can you know control the fact that they do have a one seed and home field advantage in the playoffs, so we'll keep an eye on that. The final game of the week that we will be watching: uh, the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, talking about two. AFC North teams or when we mentioned the Steelers and the Ravens in that race and then obviously we have the AFC West with the Chargers who have just been so great as of late Chargers favored by four and a half in this one uh, they win in Kansas City which guaranteed them a playoff berth 29-28 uh, we remember the great you know go for two call that Phil Rivers took last week um, as you look at this game and you look at Baltimore they've been able to find a way to win games despite the fact their passing game has been subpar to say the least but they've been able to get Lamar out in space and make plays um, is there a chance that the Ravens could sneak in here and get a win against the Chargers to keep things rolling. You know, I, I don't know if they can win the game, but I think they're going to keep it to a field goal. I think it'll be a close game. And, you know, when you look at this Raven team, they've run the ball more than they've passed. Uh, in term, they, they've had more yards running than they have passing. But yet, when Lamar throws the ball, he averages 6.6 yards per attempt. Flacco was only at 6.5. So they can actually get some plays down the field. I think if the Ravens would tie more of their run game two of the pass game, have like every run they have, they should have a play-action pass off it. They don't. They mm-hmm. should. I mean, they should do that. And I think with the way this defense has played, I mean, over the last three weeks, they've only allowed 23rd downs to be completed out of 62 attempts. They've been very effective. They've scored 20. They've averaged 25 points a game, and they've controlled the ball offensively 35 minutes. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game than most people think. I think the Ravens will be able to run the football effectively Against the Chargers, I think they'll be able to control the pace, and I think they can slow down the Chargers' offense with their offense with their offense controlling the ball. I think it'll be a great game, field goal game. Maybe the Chargers win, but I love the Ravens here. Phil Rivers, uh, one note on this: Phil Rivers is one and four all time in Saturday games, so that's something to keep an eye on. And Keenan Allen uh, is expected to play in this game, so that will help obviously that Chargers offense. So that's a little one to two there. Both of those maybe outweigh each other, maybe don't mean anything, but that's something to keep an eye on in that game. Um, you mentioned the idea, the uh, fact that Cam Newton will be shut down for the rest of the season. Before we get out of here, Lombardi, I just did want to get your thoughts on that. Um, obviously, that's a situation where we've had a lot of uh, rumblings and a lot of talks and rumors about maybe will he get shut down? Will won't he get? shut down and obviously once they got out of the playoff race with that Monday night loss it was completely uh, determined that he would not play anymore my question to you is I mean I feel like the hit that really cemented the season for Cam Newton was that TJ Watt hit uh, in that blowout by the Steelers and his shoulder hasn't quite looked the same since then um, as a you know organization you see your franchise quarterback take a hit like that what, what, what is the timeline to step in and say something because I've seen a lot of Panthers fans are now upset that Cam has been playing with this sore shoulder and now people are thinking that it may hurt their chance is next season after letting it linger so long. I mean, look, when, when you had to put uh, Hanky into the game to throw the deep pass against the Bucks, you told every defensive coordinator in the league he can't throw the ball 50 yards. And once you tell coordinators that quarterback can't throw the ball, the field shrinks. I mean, it's what happens with Eli Manning. Everybody knows he's not going to extend the ball out past 50 yards. So the game becomes a little different. And it becomes a, and he's having trouble lifting his arm. I mean, if anything told you he can't drive the ball down the field. I, I mean, to me, I know that Ron Rivera is fighting for his job. I know Marty Herney and, and the new owners coming in, they all want to fight for the job, but the health of the quarterback is more important. The franchise has to take over, and I think that was the key issue. And if you look at it, what he's been unable to do, he's made the offense worse because the more people watch him not throw the ball, defenders play him differently. So to me, this is a no-brainer. I don't even understand how people were, were thinking it was going to happen. 
Yeah, it was. So, uh, it's a very interesting situation. A lot of people are up in arms now after uh, after this whole thing has played out, and people are pointing fingers. People are saying they should be looking for another quarterback. I've heard it all since I've been home uh, here in North Carolina. So it, it has been fun to, I, I guess, fun probably isn't the right word, but it is. Uh, it is quite a controversial situation as people try to. You see people's true colors where they stand with Cam Newton, whether they want him to be the quarterback or uh, how they feel about the organization. People used to point at Jerry Richardson. Now people don't know Tepper as well. They don't know who's really calling the shots so uh there are a lot more questions than answers in north carolina and south carolina when they're talking about the carolina panthers at this point this agenda is on for next year i think that's the problem and and these are the kind of games tate frazier like people uh, there's a lot of money going on in atlanta I, I and i think sometimes when you do that i think these games are hard to predict how teams are going to go where you're going to go I, I think the best thing to do if you're betting this weekend is to try to play games where both sides have something at stake where you can honestly handicap the game based on what you've seen in the past it's hard to do like i know a lot of people are thinking the browns and giving up the points and certainly that looks appealing and i almost wanted to do that but i i, I think what like a carolina yeah, it's pretty easy to just think Atlanta should go in there and win. But, you know, I mean, look, Atlanta's not playing very good. They're having a hard time, uh, you know, uh, finding their rhythm. I know they did last week against Arizona, but, you know, they're not a great team either. So my advice is go with games like Baltimore Chargers, handicap it, look at the line, see where it is, and go from there. And I would be remiss if I uh, did not mention the Huey headline bowl that is going down this weekend. We had the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Is he going to do the coin toss, do you think? He should do the coin toss, don't you think? That's what I was going to ask you. I don't know what he should do, but I feel like Huey headlines needs to have some sort of prominent role. We remember last time that these teams met, uh, he had an intercepted ball brought to him on the sideline, a game ball, and he, you know, you know, kept the ball and thank the thank the guy for bringing it over to him. A lot of a lot of Cincinnati fans weren't happy about that. A lot of Browns fans were laughing at that fact. But I do feel like Huey headlines will steal the headlines no matter what happens this weekend. No matter no, no matter who wins. He will definitely steal the headlines. He's going to make his felt. No, what he should do in that game is not come out. He should come out <laughs> right when the game starts and he should run into it right after the game. I mean, that's what he should do. I think that they should let the, you know, put, you know, like the old Miami U, they should let the smoke come and then they announce him, you know, Hugh Jackson, he runs out through the smoke by himself. Maybe that'll work. Whatever, yeah, whatever I it lo- takes. I, I love it. I love it. All I right. love it. I think. I love it. Well, take Frazier. Listen, we will not. I will not talk to you before Christmas. So have a Merry Christmas and wish your family the best for me. I hope you have a great day. Enjoy everything in North Carolina. And I'll be thinking of you. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yes, sir. You too. I hope that you have a great Merry Christmas. We will be back here on GM Street. We are probably going to record. We're going to figure it out either the 26th day after Christmas or that Thursday, the 27th. And we're going to give a full rundown of all things uh, week 16. And we'll probably do uh, the Friday forecast within that same podcast. But regardless, we'll be nimble and we'll be mobile and we'll figure out a way to make this work. But we will give all of Lombardi's thoughts on all things NFL as we get into uh, week 16 and move into week 17. We hope everyone has a happy holiday. Holidays, Merry Christmas, and enjoys being around their family and enjoy some downtime and a break away from the real world. Again, thanks to everyone for listening to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, and we will see you next week. Hey, everyone. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. What's up? We're also joined by our producer, full-time Craig. Hey. Just hey. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey, it is. Uh, <laughs> We're usually here on Fridays to give you some like last-second adv- fantasy advice heading into the weekend, but not today. Uh, we kind of figured that you know it's week 16, and that's probably just you know start sit advice is probably just rubbing the salt in the wounds for 90% of people who didn't make <laughs> it. Um, 
Wasn't sure how much of an appetite there'd be, and if you're in your fantasy championship, you probably know who you're playing. Um, I hope so. So we decided we're going to give out some fantasy season awards to close out the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is awards season. If you like awards, start listening to the Big Picture Podcast by Ringer Editor-in-Chief Sean Fennessy. But until then, we got the fantasy awards for you. Yeah. DK, shall we we cap off the season, DK? Yeah, I'm excited. This is kind of a fun... uh... This is a fun one. I had fun putting together these candidates, so yeah. I'm excited to do this. Full time Craig is sm- full time. Craig looks so happy. I'm very I happy. I, I love awards. I, awards are great. <laughs> he, do you think he's happy to like awards? Or are you just happy that uh, you're done? We're almost done with the season. Well, I'm excited to get into daily. I want to win some money. You know. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So the first the first one is the comeback player of the year award. Craig, I'm going to kick it to you. Who's your comeback player of the year? It's got to be Eric Ebron. It oh, has to be Eric Ebron. I mean, yeah. we all knew this guy had talent, right? There, there was always That was always like the talk about him is that he was super talented, but it never kind of panned out. Last year, he had 500 yards and three touchdowns. This year, he's already got freaking 12. <laughs> and all he actually, does is score touchdowns. It actually might, and he ran one too. It might be 13 touchdowns. I might be wrong. I oh, yeah. He received 12 and ran one, so 13 total. The guy's been amazing, but he has been near and dear to your heart, DK. You've been very in on Eric Ebron this year. Yeah, I uh, I gave the ill-advised advice to go ahead and trade him when uh, when Jack Doyle came back, and then of course Doyle got hurt, and it didn't really even matter because Ebron just he just kept scoring touchdowns. Uh, right now, he's the tight end four in half point PPR and a tight end three in standard. So I really did not see that coming. Uh, I was expecting Doyle to be like a, a monster this season, but. Ebron got my like he he got my goat he he won the year. Where does he, he get drafted next year? What how, what tight end does he go? Well, I was gonna, well, I think hand in hand with the stats. So he has DK. Did you write this this week? He has as many touchdowns with the Colts this year as he did in his whole career with the Lions. So uh, I didn't write that, but I think I've seen that. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like a fact. So it, it's what we talk about with touchdown dependency and touchdowns are kind of random. And I would go so far as to say not with Ebron. We put Cameron Bray and Devontae Adams in this discussion of they're just right. such great red zone weapons with the quarterback they have, and they have such a rapport there. And I would put Ebron on that level with luck now, where touchdowns are random, except when they're not. And Ebron's in one of those where he's just actually a red zone weapon. I think that'll keep going. Yeah. So with top two five weeks for sure. left, he has 99 targets. That's a lot. Sounds good. That's crazy. And who's throwing so, to him? Yeah, I was going to say, who's your yeah, comeback, DK? So, good segue. My comeback player of the year award. Andrew Luck of the Colts. There was a question going into the season. I mean, even into early part of the preseason, we weren't even sure if Luck was going to be able to play this year. His shoulder was all messed up. You know, he didn't play last year. And then even when he did start, there was some question whether he had the strength to even throw downfield. I mean, he was just dumping everything off. And then lo and behold, he is the quarterback six this season so far, 34 touchdowns just been huge for a lot of people glad he's back low-key one of the most weirdest and underexpected developments this year was that Andrew Luck became the hardest quarterback to sack in football which is <laughs> right? just wild he was not a league winner though certainly not a league winner so who do you guys think is like the waiver wire league winner of the year so I have um Philip Lindsay I mean yeah I feel like that's probably the the obvious choice off the waiver wire, unless you count James Conner, which I don't think I depends do. when you drafted. Yeah, I mean, Phil I Lindsay, think Conner got drafted though. Yeah, I mean, I drafted him, but I, I would say yeah. there probably were a bunch of leagues that didn't if they weren't really up to date with everything. The casual fantasy fans, unlike us, but Philip Lindsay was was three hundred and seventy four in ADP. Was not <laughs> also was not drafted in real life, which really bolsters right. the non drafted case exactly. So and he's a Pro Bowler, which is crazy. The also, fir- he's not even the guy who 
undrafted in fantasy who then played for his grew up in an area and then went to college there and then played for that NFL team and unexpectedly took over the starting job. Wasn't even the best among those guys because James Conner did the same thing. But Phil Lindsay also has that story. Phil Lindsay's the RB11 right now and he's never had 20 carries in a game this year. That's pretty impressive. Explosive. It was crazy because we were, always, we, were, we were talking about Royce Freeman and, and Devontae Booker a ton before the, pre, before the season started and then all of a sudden Lindsay just came on came onto the scene. That was awesome. Um, my guy... For the waiver wire league winner award is Tyler Boy of the Bengals. Kind of usurped what I thought John Ross was going to be this season. From week two on, Boyd is actually the wide receiver 11 in PPR. In that stretch, he outscored Keenan Allen, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans. Uh, he averaged 16.6 points per game in PPR in that stretch and went under 10 points, less than double digits, just three games. So he, he was not only just out of nowhere a, a PPR god, but he was super consistent too. So, um, this isn't an award, but because I just thought of this now, but Tyler Boyd falls under the like, if his name was cooler, people would know more about him. That's a great <laughs> call. That's a really, yeah, Boyd's, Boyd's kind of a boring name. If Doug Baldwin's name was like something awesome, I guarantee you Juju he'd be drafted Schuster. higher. Yep, he'd be drafted like, higher. Doug, yeah, <laughs> Doug Baldwin streams Fortnite. Like, nobody cares if he's on Twitch, but no Juju is a great name. Yeah. Uh, my guy for this, sorry, DK, it's, it's Eric Ebron for this yeah. waiver wire just because the tight end's so thin. But I think more these three guys actually have something super important in common for next year, which I think we'll be discussing a lot, which is separating people we like in the preseason because of who they are versus the opportunity they have. So all these guys basically usurped someone we thought we'd do. Lindsay, we thought yeah. would be Royce Freeman. Boyd, we thought was going to be John Ross. Many people thought it would be John Ross. And mm-hmm. then Jack Doyle was very popular. All those right. people, except maybe John Ross, were very popular, not necessarily for their skill set, but because of taking advantage of opportunity. We were right about the opportunity being there and then very wrong about who took advantage of it. And that's a yep. good Im- reminder to when you're projecting for in August of like, do you like the do you like the skill set, the opportunity, both, neither? So, I mean, that's a pretty basic thing, but I, I think that's really important to remember. Then there's the flip side for this, which is, all right, Craig, do you want to explain this? The burn too bright? Was this you or DK? This is, this DK. is me. It's like the shooting star award. They, these guys burn too bright for this world. They just they couldn't <laughs> the shooting, they couldn't stay. Like Icarus, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Sorry, yeah. I like my Greek mythology. Flu, I'm uh, actually, re- yeah, that's probably better. They Do I have enough power to just sun. rename this wholesale? The Icarus. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's, that's all. It's been decided. Okay, great. Now I like this, Craig. Who do you got? John Brown. Yeah, formerly of that Cardinals trio that we mentioned a few weeks ago, but John Brown. Weeks one through four, 12, 17, 11, 19. You're feeling great. You're feeling super smart about your draft pick. I drafted him, felt great about it. And then the rest from weeks five to 15, he averaged five points a game and just was unstartable. But you were probably tricked for so long from those first four weeks, you kept hoping it would come back. And then week seven, he puts up 22 to just throw that wrench in there and keep you kind of hanging on. And he just never did anything after that. Well, I'm... He played every game. I, the, but Lamar, I think Lamar Jackson was a huge part of that. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was bad before Lamar came in. Yeah. Wow. So he you, fell off hard. Yeah, he did. I remember, so I had- I'm not ready uh, to say that that was a bust, though. When did Lamar come in? After he started going downhill. But I still, I mean, I still think John Ross demonstrated that he was way more capable of receiver than he was in Arizona. John Brown. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You said John Ross. The same thing. He was so did he. I mean, I still love, <laughs> I love John Brown. I think it was just the, it, he was more of a, it was just the situation dictated. Like Joe Flacco completely fell off for for a huge chunk of time. And then with, with Jackson, they just don't throw it. So, well, John Brown, 
No, I, th- I think that he's going to be a guy that's super controversial going into next year. And I, th- I understand yeah. that there can be some Lamar Jackson revisionism, but I think that he, in my mind, the question wasn't, the question was his skill set. And I think that he was much more capable of like carrying an offense, like on a drive to drive basis than I ever thought he would be able to be. So he impressed me. So I understand that hesitance, but I mean, I think for where he went in the draft, he's worth it. But DK, yeah. speaking of another guy who yeah. started really hot. So Calvin Ridley early in the season was the huge, huge waiver wire pickup in weeks two, two through four. So a three week period, he had 17 points, 40 points and 21 points. He was the wide receiver, overall wide receiver two in that stretch. Um, I want to say behind only Thielen and in the whatever amount of games since, since week four on since week five on, I should say he's gotten double digit points just twice. So in he's a, he's the wide receiver 38 in that stretch. So, I, I don't know if he's perfect for this, but I guess he started so hot that like there was no way he was going to be able to keep it up, and I don't think anyone expected him to keep up the touchdown thing. I have right. a better one. You know who flew oh, higher? Do you? Feeling. No one will say this. I'm the only person in the world brave enough to say this. Craig's already <laughs> freaking out. I don't know what's going to happen. This might be the end of the Dynasty Football Podcast. You know who burned too bright and then crashed back down to earth is Adam Thielen. Uh, first eight weeks, he had 202 PPR points. Oh my God. The rest yeah, of, he was going It was off. amazing. The rest of the top five was between 167 and 156 PPR points. The gap between Thielen, who was number one, and Tyreek Hill, who was number two, was the same as the gap between Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones, who was 14. So he had this <laughs> massive yeah. lead in, you know, halfway through the season, right before the fantasy trade deadline. Uh, since then, Thielen's been... Wide receiver 16. He's behind Tyler Boyd and Adam Humphreys. Ooh. Not because wow. he's bad or worse or anything, but because I think that we probably raised him to a level of expectation beyond what was realistic. And in so if you traded him when he was at his peak, congratulations. I regret like, not making him a, a sell. Like a trade, at, a, yeah. a trade no, high. No, that's literally impossible to recommend selling Adam Thielen. At no, point. that's the whole point. Yeah, but there's, there's... What's your favorite thing in the world is selling a superstar exactly when you're supposed to. Oh, but it, it's genius if you can pull it off. But in this case, I mean, he was... A 35-point gap over the second receiver was not sustainable. You're right. And that's... He was looking like a league winner. He was looking like Gurley. Yeah, and he's not Gurley. Speaking of people looking like Todd Gurley, yeah. <laughs> next is the Matt Asiata Award for Biggest Vulture. <laughs> I love this. Uh, um, you're all familiar with Matt Asiata, the guy great. who just eats one-yard touchdowns and no one knows who he is. So this year— So you're all familiar with the guy nobody knows who he is? Exactly. Well, <laughs> if you play fantasy, you know who Matt Asiata is. <laughs> so mine is James Devlin of the Patriots. I think we all need to say the, the team names that these people are on just in case. Um, <laughs> yeah. So James Devlin this year has six rushes for eight yards and four touchdowns. Oh my God. All of which came in the final five games of the season. And he, he didn't killed even have Sony a, Michelle. He killed him. He didn't have a carry till week 10. Yeah. And it was a touchdown for a yard. Oh God. That's brutal. Congratulations, so my, Devlin. Devlin, I think, is the best one. I, I've waffled between a few players. I, I was thinking about doing Taysom Hill, who. He actually only scored two touchdowns. I, I, I realized, but they gave him like yeah. 30-something carries. Like, what are you doing? I mean, obviously it was fun, but at the same time, like, just give it to Kamara or, or Ingram. And then I thought about maybe LeGarrette Blount, but I ended up with going with Buck Allen, going way back to the beginning of the season for all, for all the people that had uh, Alex Collins. Hmm. For everyone who had Alex Collins going in the beginning of the season, Buck Allen was like just the thorn in your side. He scored three rushing touchdowns in the first three weeks. Also had a couple of receiving touchdowns in the season. And since week nine, he hasn't touched the ball more than once. So <laughs> thanks, Buck. 
Yeah, so that was fun. Thrill for um, Buck. Yeah, the Ravens' yeah. backfield just in general is kind of hilarious. But um, Gus, Gus Edwards, well, Gus Edwards was more like a like steal your girl, but like steal your yeah. job from Alex Collins. Well, now R. Kenneth R. Dixon's Collins. kind of the same the, deal. Uh, and it'll always be Gus the bus. Uh, me, my, you know what my vulture of the year is? Do you know Drew Brees has a career high in rushing touchdowns already? <laughs> with two weeks that. left to play. And this is where I'm going to get my, I'm going to make you care about my fantasy league for a second. I was playing my brother who, look, you have to be older, brother, younger, older brother. So I have to mm-hmm. be your older brother in week three. And he, I had Drew Brees and he had Alvin Kamara and against the Falcons. Kamara gets the rushing touchdown. They reverse the call, put him back at the one-yard line. Drew Brees rolls yeah. left, spins out of a Falcons oh, defender, yeah. dives across the line, gives me the touchdown instead. Brees vultures him. I win by less than a point. Wow. So, you know. <laughs> You're the better brother. I am. And he's going to pretend to not listen to this podcast right now to get back at me, but I know he's listening. And Michael, you suck. So, beautiful. <laughs> All right. That was the cathartic. Thank you. I love fantasy football. All right. So, the next category, the scapegoat awards. Basically, this is the guy you're blaming for your bad season or your your middling season or whatever. So my guy is Leonard Fournette. He actually was the overall, if you look at uh, Fantasy Pros, he was the overall number eight player (laughs) coming off the board, running back seven. Right now he's overall 166th and the running back 42. He just, you know, he's injured half the year. Even when he was in, he wasn't really doing that much. Jaguars were kind of one of the, you know, biggest disappointments overall. Uh, yeah, I think if you were leaning on Fournette to be a, a huge bell cow for you, that definitely hurt really badly. Yeah, I am blown away. You guys did not pick. There's one correct answer for this. Who's that? Uh, the guy who was drafted number two on average and then didn't show up to play the season. <laughs> well, that's different. Is if you didn't get James Conner, uh, you were... It's not just that he was your scapegoat. It's he literally tortured you for the first 10 weeks of the season. Yeah, Le'Veon yeah. Bell is the only answer here. I think we gave James Conner the Bitcoin award earlier because if you were an early adopter, huge profits. Mm. But then if you bought, Le'Veon Bell was buying Bitcoin at 16,000 and then watching it crash to like under four. I, I mean, you're That's right. Fair. <laughs> I know. That's fair. All right. There's only one true scapegoat. Let's get to the, the cool uncle award. What does this mean? <laughs> okay. Here's my thought on the cool uncle award. So... The cool uncle award is when, you know, your uncle, you only see him two, three times a year. He comes, he's great. He leaves. Then your uncle's gone. It's like the guy who you add off waivers when you need him, when you got a bunch of buys, you start him, he gives you nine, 10 points, Mr. Reliable. And then you drop him and you never think about him again. (laughs) Just the come and go, the Jalen Richard. Anytime you needed Jalen Richard to come, have a nice dinner, make you laugh, make the kids laugh. That's what he (laughs) I thought showing up a few times a year and giving you a bunch of presents, but disappearing the rest would be the Amari Cooper award. Disagree with that. Um, this is dumb, and let's move on. How dare you? <laughs> the Jaylen cool Rash- uncle award? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? What is this? This is supposed to be fun, Heifetz. Yeah, that's why That's why we're going to skip this. How dare you? Uh, Jalen Richard, great job this year. <laughs> Do you even want me to Shade say mine? Really yeah, DK contributed. I, all right, DK, so yeah. So I kind of, my my interpretation of the cool uncle award was more like the Leroy Hoard winner. Which the what? Is, he, he's a famous uh, running back back in the day. He said, Coach, if you need one yard, I'll get you three yards. If you need five yards, I'll get you three, three yards. <laughs> uh, yes, the famous Leroy you heard Horde. That? How could I forget the famous Leroy Horde? I don't know if I actually have ever heard of Leroy Horde, but I've heard that quote before <laughs> like a million times. Um, anyway, so Willie Sneed wins the Leroy Horde award. Uh, he was like solid, good for a solid 10 points almost every week. It seemed like he had double digit points in PBR nine separate weeks. And he never scored more than 15 points this season. He was the guy that can get you 10 points and only 10 points. 
I'm going to double check that Leroy Horde is a real person. And while I'm doing that, uh, Craig, want to introduce the next award? I got to Google who the hell Leroy Horde is. <laughs> next is the He's Good But He's Bad award, which is like when you watch him make plays, you're like, wow, this guy's talented. And then you start him in fantasy and he just never works for you. And my pick for that is Corey Davis. Corey Davis yeah. looks good when you watch him play. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. And he absolutely passes the eye test. Totally. So did Warren Harding. What? Uh, no, that, but you know what? The <laughs> listeners got the joke, okay? He was because he had, keep going. Um, that was great the eye joke. test. Was there yeah. an eye, was that a joke about eyes? Oh no, it wasn't a joke. It was that he had the build and the presidential air about him, and it looks like a statesman, but he didn't know. You know what? Doesn't that was read a book, was a man? Deep cut. Joke so right there. Corey Davis has ten single digit scoring games this season. Ten. That's a lot. It's only been fifteen games so far, and he's got three over twenty though. And if you've watched any of those games, you're really impressed with them. And I think if he were on a team with a quarterback who could, you know, feel his elbow, then he actually would be pretty solid. I'm, I just want to say I'm surprised that Craig didn't pick Rashad Penny for this. <laughs> I figured that there was a little a little Penny fatigue and Heifetz would have just <laughs> erupted. Yeah. No yeah. more okay, real quick, my pick, my pick for this category was Duke Johnson. Really good player. Really dynamic. Has, in previous years, been very good fantasy player. Uh, this season only had double-digit points four times. The high was a week nine where he had 29 points. He had like nine catches and two touchdowns. Um, and then in week 14, he actually scored negative points. So really fun times if you're a Duke Johnson owner this season. Uh, probably not starting him very often anyway, but um, that, I think he was just kind of like a little bit of a disappointment because he's a really good player. And he was so good last year. Yeah. Yeah, he got buried on the bench almost more than anybody. This next category I actually like. Unless, Danny, did you have anything to add to that? No, I have. Actually, I'm going to spin that last category in this new category and create a hybrid. <laughs> All right. So the silent but deadly award. Um, basically the People idea know. here is just like really, really <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> quietly consistent. Yeah. Go ahead, Craig. Who's your guy? Devonte Adams is the number one wide receiver in fantasy. And I, I, I would not That's have surprising. guessed that if you asked me, the, the guy's never scored single digits fantasy points in a single game this year. He's second in targets, third in catches, third in yards, second in touchdowns and is wow. on pace projections right now, 114 catches, 1500 yards and 14 touchdowns. Devonta Adams too, is like, considering the Packers' offense has been so hit and miss. I know it's insane how consistent this guy's and been. I, so here's my spin on this with Devonta Adams. The I'm doing the opposite of he's good but he's bad. I'm doing he, not he's he's bad but he's good. So he's not like a bad player. I'm not saying Devonta Adams is bad, but the number one scoring quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, who's probably also the best real life quarterback. The number one running back is Todd Gurley, also the best real life running back. Best tight end Travis Kelsey, probably the best real life tight end. Number one defense the Bears. Definitely the best real-life um, defense. Devontae Adams, definitely not the best receiver in football. No. Like, 100%. And I'm not saying Devontae Adams is bad. He's fantastic. But that is a right. great example of more of the product of that is the best connection in football is Rodgers to Devontae Adams. It used to be right. Nelson in the back shoulder throw. Now it is Rodgers throwing when there's even an inch of daylight to Devontae before the route's even breaking. Good example of much better in fantasy than real life. Do you, or at least the connection. Do you remember stronger than about three years ago that when Jordy Nelson had a huge year for the Packers, there was like a big analytical hatred for Devontae Adams. It was like, he's one of the worst receivers in the league by DVOA. There yeah, was he was this, like really inefficient. Yeah, everybody, Evan Silva was writing about it, like yeah. Devontae Adams is this awful wide receiver and he's completely well, turned that around. Well, it's a great example yeah. of how football's a team game and that just because he's not technically in a vacuum the best receiver, but when you have a strong enough connection with your quarterback... I mean, that's what matters, and that you can elevate your game higher. So maybe he doesn't have the connect. He's not as good as Antonio Brown, technically. He's not as gifted as Julio Jones, but oh, look at his numbers. Adams look like Adams look like a legit bust early on. Yeah, I mean, so, 
So there you go. There's credit my to him. My guy, Robert Woods of the Rams. Mm. Uh, double digit points in PPR in every game this year except for week one. He's actually the wide receiver 12 in PPR, so he's a low-end wide receiver one. This season, he's outscored Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, and even if you, I mean, just overall points, he's outscored Odell Beckham, who missed some time. But, I mean, Woods quietly had an amazing season fantasy-wise. And he's probably the least talented out of any Rams position player, right? Uh, He's gotten better, but I mean, Mm, they're all part of a rising tide, but he's certainly improved a lot since he was in Buffalo, Yeah, for sure. By the way, I love that Buffalo got rid of Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> like, what are they doing? That's well, they didn't fine. get they rid play. of them. They just didn't re-sign them or whatever. That's fine. Yeah, they have plenty of talent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last one. Yeah. Tortoise and the Hare Award. I love me some fables. <laughs> Craig, yeah. please. Do your honors, Craig. Please. <laughs> I mean, this is just slapping everybody in the face, but it's Amari Cooper. Have patience, young one. Look what happened. Mari Cooper gets traded to a competent team, and that's being nice. And look what happened. He's been the number one wide receiver in fantasy since he joined the Dallas Cowboys. Regardless of the games where you would consider he dudded. Doesn't matter. I bet that this stretch Mari is— Cooper is literally winning people their fantasy seasons. Amari Cooper yeah. is going to coast off of that four-game stretch for the next three years. Disagree. Um, I, I oh, I'm, see. You oh. can just keep saying that. That's yeah, I what, can. It's great. He could have a good year, ne- good year next year, and you'll be like, "Oh well, he'll have one strong full season, <laughs> and then nothing else." It was an. It was just. It was just enough to get the Cowboys a playoff appearance, a loss in the divisional round, extend Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott, and then fuck up their next five years. You, I'm very excited. You, you call being fan. the number one wide receiver in the league just enough? Yeah, it was just enough <laughs> to get. The, yeah, it's exactly this. what happened. It was okay. just enough. <laughs> DK, right. tortoise in the hair. <laughs> Uh, my guy, Dalvin Cook. So if you were smart enough to either pick up Cook like midseason if people dropped him or just hang on to him on your bench because obviously he was hurt and then didn't do anything for a good solid chunk of the season. Uh, the last four games, he's had 17 points, 19 points, 19 points, and 29 points. He's finally starting to look like himself. They got a new offensive coordinator who wants to run the ball. And going forward, like he, assuming he can stay healthy over the next week, two then he could be a guy that just puts up major points. So I think people who who hung on to Cook and kind of like waited it out uh, potentially could be you know in the money for that. He was drafted highly too. Yeah. My my last my tortoise in this race. I wrote down Nick Chubb on this document to mess with you guys, and obviously that's true. My one is Rashad Penny. Holy shit! Rashad Penny is my tortoise. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I have not changed my opinion on him. He was drafted on average 80th. That was nuts. But. If you picked him up late, oh my God. if you picked Rashad Penny up late, it's the best day my He might have done you right. You know, he had a couple big games late, and I will say that he was not utterly and completely useless as he was in the first <laughs> eight weeks of the season. Does he lead the Seahawks in yards per carry? Uh, I don't know. No one really care because Carson, Chris Carson is still better. But I'm be, I'm admitting he was far better down the stretch, and I might even consider him in 2019. Wow, thank you. So there you go. Boom. It's the friends Boom. we made along the way. Danny, I'm letting hate out of my heart. New year, new me, 2019. Wow. Danny, no more hatred. Danny Kelly, what, what do you think about Rashad Penny next year? How's the Seattle backfield going to look? Wait, I think ugh. it's going to be the same. I think they're going to rotate. You think it's guys. Carson Davis Penny? Yeah. Yeah. I think Carson's still the lead guy. I mean, Carson's He's really, good. Carson really good. is good. We're yeah. not ending this podcast on the note of just debating Rashad Penny. <laughs> all right? Look, we're, made my mea culpa. <laughs> That's all we got. There are your awards. Guys, this was a pleasure. Yeah. That was fun. Thank you, DK. Thank you, full-time Craig. Uh, Thank you to everyone for listening so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, We will 
be back in January to talk DFS for the playoffs, so please keep an eye out for that. And, yeah, thank you, everyone. See you guys in 2019.